0: church good to see all of you guys today happy new year okay they did y'all must have talked because first service did the exact same thing i said happy new year they're like of course it's 8 45 in the morning and uh so when i say happy new year you're supposed to say "Happy happy new year happy new year a lot better you guys should be awake you're the second service right Um, also just, uh, by way of, um, just encouragement, the same God who was on the throne in 20 is on the throne in 21. How about that? And he was on the throne in 19 and 18 and 17 and 16 and right. He's just, he's on the throne. He rules and he reigns. So when man thinks he's in control, he's not. So there's a lot of effort out there today uh, being uh, bannered about in terms of man being in control. He's in control of nothing. The Lord is in control of all things. If you've been reading through Daniel, you've been, been seeing that. I wanted to remind you guys uh, this morning of uh, um, a couple of pieces of literature that we have in the uh, foyer uh, for you to take. You know, just whenever you would like to, you don't have to pay for these. These are something uh, that we have available through the giving of of the church. And I think that um, they're beneficial helps for you potentially. One of them is the daily bread. Like if you're struggling with a quiet time, um, pick one up. And what it has, the daily bread has stories in it and then scriptures to kind of go with it. And um, it'll kind of give you on the right track. If you're struggling with that, I would encourage you to pick one up. Uh, they're there on the coffee bar in the foyer. And so you can just uh, pick one up as you leave. And also on the coffee bar is um, the Gospel of John. You remember when we, got, when we started pushing um, these? And I would just encourage you, like I did first service, I challenged those guys. Hey, look, let's take, um, think about this. If all of us were able to distribute six of these this year right that would be really awesome wouldn't it to put the gospel of Jesus Christ into six uh, people's hands so they could take it and read it and I would just encourage you to do that it's a great resource uh, for you especially in the day and time we're living in what a great uh, challenge it is for us uh, to watch uh, the world as they worry and fret over things they can't control and you and I know who's in control and we have the answer and that's Jesus Christ so I would just encourage you guys to Think about that, and that's for you, young people as well. If you believe you can, you know, give out these these books, I would encourage you to do that. All right. Um, this morning we want to um, start our service reading from 2 Timothy. You remember that book, and uh, that's the book that we're going through, and we are going to be back in chapter two today, and uh, we'll begin in verse fourteen, and then we're going to read through verse twenty-six. We'll only get through the first part of verse fourteen. So, um, but. In terms of uh, our reading this morning, we want to read chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And I'd like for you to stand as we read God's Word together. Second right, Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Remember, the Apostle Paul is the author, and he is writing to his young child in the faith, who is Timothy. He says, remind them, and them is italicized just like it is in the uh, remainder, or in the other time it's mentioned here in verse 14. He says, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately, Handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal The Lord knows those who are his. Well, that's a good verse, isn't it? And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. But be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And may we take the Lord's word and uh, with his help respond to it as he leads us. To do so. Alright? Let's pray together. Lord, we come to this section of Scripture and we immediately are approached with Christian responsibility. Specifically in this context, Timothy had the responsibility first to do the things that were commanded him to do. We don't like people telling us what to do. But Lord, um, you have the right to tell us what to do. And so I pray that we would embrace that truth, that while we might not like to hear it from others, we need to hear from you and from your word so that we might walk in way that's worthy of the call that we might not just be men and women and young people who say yeah I know Christ but men and women and young people who say I know Christ and I'm living for Christ I'm standing on the gospel and the word of God no matter what might come I pray that you would, by your Spirit this morning, convince and convict us of areas in our life that might need change. I pray that you, Lord, would receive all the glory this morning in our service. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Good
1: morning. Boy, you are a lively bunch this morning. Say good morning. Happy New Year, all this, you know, kind of get us going here. Uh, It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. There's an old gospel song that I was thinking about. It said, what a beautiful beautiful day for the Lord to come again. Amen? Amen. Well, the Lord hadn't come, so uh, it's a beautiful day, and so we're just going to come to worship. So it's a beautiful day to come worship the Lord. Amen? Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're going to start off our time of worship this morning, about singing a song, about singing a song. And the song you know the, the Bible says that we should uh, sing a new song, so we're going to sing an old song, and so we're just going to really confuse things but uh this is a, this is an old song that says it keeps me singing and uh, and it's about uh it's based on uh, Colossians three sixteen and seventeen and in that verse you know it says something. Uh, to the fact that uh, we should make melody in our hearts. So we go, go through our lives making melody in our hearts. No matter what the circumstances are, we do that. So that's what, that's what we're going to sing about this morning, and we're going to just worship the Lord. So join us as we sing He Keeps Me Singing.
2: Pride. Discord filled my heart with pain Jesus swept across the broken streets, Stirred the slumbering chords again Feasting on the riches of His grace Resting neath the sheltering wings Always looking on His smiling face That is why I shall and sing. The past seems rough and steep. See his footprints all-
1: Psalms tells us we're supposed to sing a new song. We're supposed to sing as we go. We're supposed to shout as we go. He says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lambs. So we're supposed to shout and sing. And what are we going to do? We're going to sing to the north. We're going to shout to the north. Uh, The guy who wrote that last song, he was uh, like several of the authors that we know about, was was pretty familiar with disappointment and with hurt and pain. Uh, His name is Luther Bridges and at the turn of the 19th century when he was doing evangelical uh, leading music and evangelical services and things like that uh, he was also a hymn writer and, and that was one of the, his famous songs, we don't know if it happened before or after his wife and his three kids had, uh, was, was burned uh, was killed in a fire at his father-in-law's house so uh, it, he definitely knew pain but yet Somewhere along the line, whether or not he wrote that song afterwards or beforehand, he knew what it meant to sing as he goes, no matter what the Lord has brought, you know, in front of him. So anyway, that's what we have to sing about. Our God is a good God, a great God. So we're going to shout to the north, we're going to shout to the south, we're going to sing to the east, we're going to sing to the west, and that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's sing, let's shout to the north.
2: Church with broken wings. Will this place?
1: Shout to the north, shout to the west, sing to the west. What are we going to sing about? We're singing about Christ and the fact that in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. That's what we're going to sing about. So let's sing that right now together as we worship the Lord. So to sing a song that, uh, kind of a new song to you, but I want this one to be one that we're going to sing, and we may be doing it again next week, so I want you to kind of pick up on it, and I'd like for you to sing along with me. Uh, the group will learn it this week, hopefully, and uh, and we'd like to sing together. It's a song called Forever Jesus, and it's about my hymn of praise. That's kind of the co-title for this, and um, it says that my hymn of praise shall be forever jesus not just on sunday mornings and not just when we're feeling good but it'll be forever and the chorus goes something like this so for all my days i will sing my praise to the king forever jesus though the storms may rage he is strong to save he's the king forever jesus i want you to listen to the words and kind of chime in when you kind of figure out how it goes especially on the chorus of course uh you Kind of easy to learn. So I'd like for you to learn this song, Forever Jesus.
3: My hymn of praise shall be forever Jesus, my firm foundation in shifting sands. My strength and hope through many fears and failures, the disappointments of the past. His constant love has held me fast. So for all my days, I will sing my praise to the King, forever Jesus. Though the storms may rage, He is strong to save. He's the King forever, Jesus. My song of praise shall be forever, Jesus, who bore my suffering, who made a way. His life a gift his death a precious ransom that wipes the sinner's guilt away and turns our night to glorious day so for all my days I will see to the King forever Jesus though the storms may rage he is strong to save he's the King forever My final breath shall be forever, Jesus, when shadows lengthen before my eyes. My Lord and friend, companion through the valley, when the dearest ones are left behind. His hand will lead me to the light. So, for all my days, I will sing my praise to the King forever, Jesus. Though the storms may rage, he is strong to the King forever Jesus when I meet his gaze I will sing my praise to the King forever Jesus all my sorrows past I am home at last with my King With my King forever, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Ron and Linda. Hopefully, your Bibles are in Second Timothy in the second chapter. That's where we will go back to. It's been a while since we've been in there before Thanksgiving, and so um, you're probably ready to go without any kind of reminder, right? You've got it memorized, and you know what's going on. And um, In fact, you're so ready, you're ready to teach it today. Just in case you aren't, I want to do a little bit of review before... Uh, we start our time together in Second Timothy chapter two verse fourteen. Um, let me just make this statement that this section in 2 fourteen through twenty six is about responsibility. It's about personal responsibility. It's about a man who was very influential, in the life of another man who is about to die. Paul is about to face death. He's about to have his head chopped off for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. And he has on his mind this young man named Timothy who was to follow along and take the responsibility Of disseminating the gospel of Jesus Christ but more than that as well and there are many things that he addresses in this section in fact this section you could say is about the verbs in the text now I know all of you young people love to talk about verbs I can just tell it looking at your face you're all about it well in this particular section of scripture there are imperatives that Um, Paul gives, and these imperatives are really key to understanding what's going on. And I've entitled the message, Personal Responsibility, but even if we're just saying, hey, look, this was just for Timothy in that time, which it was, well, we have to assume that whatever Paul told Timothy, it's for us too. So we can have it under the heading of Christian responsibility. Now, I can tell by looking at you that you love the word responsibility. I'm kidding. That R word is really difficult because it demands that you, as an individual, embrace responsibility. Like, for example, you have responsibility in your home, if you're a husband, that God has clearly outlined for you, right? He tells you exactly what he expects of you as a husband, and it is your responsibility to embrace that loving leader relationship. As a wife, you have a responsibility that God has given to you to be a respectful wife who is submissive to the leadership, biblical leadership that you have in your home. And that's why it's so imperative, young ladies, not picking on you, but you need to have a husband who is primarily interested in the things of Christ. So that you have, when you go into that marriage, a leader, biblically. that sound okay? I know it does to the parents. It's very critical that that take place. You're not going to, as a young lady, bring that young man up to a spiritual level. You're not going to do that. So I would beg you, because I love you, consider the passage of Scripture that talks about being equally yoked, which is beyond just being a believer. You need to be a growing believer. That person that you spend time with, that you eventually marry, needs to have the mind of Christ. That sounds strong, and it might sound like, well, that's offensive to me. Can't I do what I want to do? Well, that's between you and the Lord, if you say that you are a believer. You have a responsibility if you're a teacher, to prepare for the students that sit in your classroom. They are expecting you to teach, although I don't know how much of that is going on these days. As students, guess what? You have the responsibility to be prepared when you show up, even if showing up is at home in front of your mom and she is your teacher. You have the responsibility to be prepared. We have responsibility. We just can't get away from that word unless we just ignore it. In fact, even in the Christian life, we have responsibility. God expects the believer to embrace the responsibility to use one's gifts or one's talents for the glory of God. Correct? Correct. Okay? And Paul clearly disseminates that in several of his books 1 Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, and we either embrace that or we live a very frustrated Christian life where we're looking through the binoculars and we're going, how come all those people are doing all that? What about me? Well, if you're a believer in Christ, you have a gift or gifts that God wants you to use for his glory. And so this particular section of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning is about personal responsibility and in the weeks to come. Because it's going to take us longer than one week. I just want you to to embrace that word. I want you to think about that word and how it applies to you. Because there is a temptation in our lives to run from responsibility. Would you agree with that? You remember the first time, and young people, this is going to work out so much better, this service, because... Uh, There were some, let's just say, more mature adults in the first service, not as many young ones at all. And so I asked them, do you remember the first time your mother said to you, um, I want you to do the dishes tonight? What is she wanting to do? She's wanting to teach you to be responsible and learn how to do the dishes in your home. Isn't that wonderful? And do you remember that she took that time to teach you that? Because she wants you to embrace what? Responsibility. Do you remember the time where your father took you outside and said, mow the grass for the very first time? Do you remember that? I remember that. I am 56, and I remember the first time my father told me I was 8 years old. He said, Thad, I'm going to have you mow the grass next week by yourself. You have to understand my father. hes a perfectionist. He was a military guy. So that just meant this, perfection. And so I was scared to death. And I remember the first time I went out to mow the grass. And I came back in. I was so excited because I had done a wonderful job. I said, Dad, it's great. Just go take a look at it. He walks outside and he looks and he says, son, you missed three spots. Responsibility. Now he could have looked at those three areas and just said, ah, forget it. That wouldn't have taught me anything, would it? See, we have to embrace the responsibilities that we've been given. And specifically, as it relates to the Christian life, what are the responsibilities that we have? We're going to consider those today, but in context, we want to consider first, what was the responsibility that Timothy has met with first? And we want to look at that together in verse 14. But I want to remind you of where we've been. So you're going to need your Bibles, and I want you to look at these verses in chapters 1 and 2. This is where we've been And it's leading up to this first encounter of responsibility for Timothy. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, we see this personal relationship that Paul had with Timothy. There was an affection there for his brother in Christ. He loved him. And when you love someone, you do what? You invest in that person. And that's what he did. He invested in the life of Timothy. And look at verses 3 and 4. It says this, I thank God... Whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Notice what he says in verse 3, I constantly remember you. Man, that's just encouraging. You have people like that in your life? They're sending you a text, sending you a note, right? It's like... I man, these people, they just won't leave me alone. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's nice to have somebody come in to you and say, man, I'm praying for you. you know, I'm thinking about you this week. You, know, you look at this and you're like, if you're Timothy and you're, you're embracing this letter, you have to be going, wow, this, well, he knew he loved him, but you're just like, wow, this is incredible. Every day he's thinking about Timothy. So there's this relationship there that's close between Paul and Timothy. We read about that in verses 1 through 7. And then 8 through 14, he talks about the fact that with the gospel and with propagating the gospel comes suffering. You remember he asked him to join the team of suffering? What a team to join, right? I mean, really? You want to join that kind of team. And young people want to tell you something, and and, and older adults as well. If you're on the team of Christ, be prepared to suffer. Because the Bible says the godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. It doesn't say might suffer. It says will suffer. We will suffer when we stand on what God has said. And so verse 12 in this section says, For this reason I also suffer these things. This is Paul's personal testimony in verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. (laughs) For I know whom... I have believed. I want to pause and ask you. Young people, do you know do you know Christ? Do you know him in an intimate way? Is he your savior? Can you say that? See Paul knew, Paul knew Christ. He knew the fellowship of his sufferings. He knew what it was to be a person that said, "I'm all in." That's why he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's a great sermon in and of itself. Paul says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Suffering comes with the dissemination of the gospel. If you stand on an issue as a Christian, you will suffer. You stand on abortion, that that God is against that, you will suffer. You will. If you stand on traditional marriage, that marriage is between a man and a woman, you're going to suffer. People are going to hurl persecution at you. That's the reality of it. So in this section, up through verse 14, he talks about that issue of suffering the gospel of christ and then in verses 15 through 18 he talks about the commitment that it takes and he talks about a couple that weren't and then one that was look at verse 15 of chapter one he says you're aware of the fact that all who are in asia turned away from me <laughs> how discouraging is that that ever happened to you where all your friends just said see you that ever happened to you young people Well, for Paul, they were turning away from him. Why? Well, there's a logical answer. He was about to have his head chopped off. I mean, do you really want to be associated with that kind of dude? All right, and so for Phygelus and Hermogenes, they had turned away from the apostle Paul, but not Onesiphorus. Notice what it says in verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. You remember what that word meant? You remember that word picture there? That word refreshed? It was the picture of a breeze, a cool breeze on a hot day. You've been there and done that, right? Whatever your hobby is, you've been outside. Maybe it's playing tennis. Maybe it's playing golf. Maybe it's playing, you know, you're out there riding your bike or whatever it is. And you're hot and you're drenched. You're like, man, I just wish there was a breeze. And what happens? A breeze comes and you're like do that again. You ever done that? I do that. I'm like, Lord, do that again. Because it's so refreshing. Well, that's exactly the picture here that Paul paints of this man, Onesiphorus. He says, he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Well, then we come to chapter 2, and in the first seven verses, he paints a picture of what it means to be a steadfast Christian. This is what it means. And he talks about A soldier and an athlete and a farmer. But he begins in verse 1 by saying this. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the favor of the Lord. Guys, I kind of get confused when people say, I'm looking for the favor of the Lord. Can I just be honest with you? I'm confused by that statement. You say, why are you confused by that statement? Because I have the favor of the Lord if I'm a believer. I already have it. What am I looking for? I mean, I have the favor of the Lord. I have the grace of the Lord in my life present every single day. How about you? If you're a believer, you have it every single day. Now, do we recognize it? That's another issue. But Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ. And then he says, verse 2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he paints this picture of what it means to be a steadfast Christian. And then verse 7 says, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So that's where we are as we lead up to this next section. We will come back to verses 8 through 13 in just a moment. So in that section of Scripture, we're given a picture of what Paul desired for the life of this man, Timothy. And that continues. Except when you get to chapter 2, verse 14 through verse 26, there are several imperatives, right? There are these commands. Paul was not saying to Timothy, if you want to do this, do this. I don't remember my dad ever saying, son, if you want to mow the yard, mow it. I don't remember that. I remember him saying, mow it. The expectation, right, was there. I'm not sure we put enough expectation, right, on our kids today. That's a completely different subject. But I for sure know that the Lord expected things from the Apostle Paul, and Paul expected things from this man named Timothy. And so we run up into these imperatives in this section. And man, they are huge. Guys, I want to tell you something. This morning is the easy one. The rest of them are rough. Okay, so if you enjoy this morning is what I'm saying. Because the rest of them are difficult. And remember, this originally was for a man who was going to follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. Who was in no way Paul in terms of his personality. He was a timid man. Paul had, just as the Lord had, expectations for this man named Timothy. And he had responsibility that he wanted him to embrace. So, your handout should be in your seat. If you don't have it, please pick it up. It should be a blue one, I believe. What we run into, first of all, in verse 14, is that Paul has given Timothy the responsibility to remind others. Of something. Because when you look at verse 14 at the start of it, he says, Remind them of these things. If you're looking at that, you're going, What? What are you talking about? Remind who of what? Right? I mean, you could literally read it like that. You remind who of what? That's what he's saying. Because it's clear right from the get go that the understood subject here is Timothy. He's the one that was to embrace the responsibility that the lord had given to him through the apostle paul i want us to look at this definition of remind so he has the responsibility to remind we're going to find out about what in just a minute and we're going to find out about who that could have been that he was to remind but we need to understand the definition the meaning of the word means to bring to another's attention something from the past i didn't use this illustration the first service but I'm going to use it this service. My wife remembers. My goodness gracious. She can remember like I can't remember. She remembers things 35 years ago, 36, 37, we started dating in 1982 in the fall. That's a long time ago. And she can remember names like nobody else. You have to introduce yourself to me three times and then I'm going to have to use it in a sentence, right? I mean, that's just the way I am. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but but names for me are a struggle and they don't need to be because I need to meet people. I need to remember their names, right? And you're like, oh, you got that. That's easy to do. Well, how many of you have a hard time remembering names, right? Um, remembering is a very, very important part of our life. And in fact, so important that we remember certain things that Paul tells Timothy, look, you need to remind them continually. That's the definition of the word because it's in the present tense. Meaning this, your responsibility, Timothy, is to remind these people over and over and over again about these things. That's your responsibility. So there's blanks there for us to consider. Who's he going to remind? And what's he going to remind them of? Because all of us in this room are familiar with reminders, right? We can identify with that. We set them up on our phones. How many of you have reminders on your phones? I don't because I don't know how to do it. Somebody wants to teach me how. That'd be great. I got a watch the other day. It's a really cool watch. In fact, my text messages show up on this watch. I hope it doesn't go off during the service but it's really kind of cool. But you do have on your phone, right? You can set it up. Reminders. And you have that. And it's intended to do what? To remind you of what is coming up. Um, We receive reminders, husbands, from our sweet wives, don't we? Our sweet wives remind us of things that we must do. And they do that over and over again. And Wives receive reminders from their husbands, and they do that over and over again. Kids receive reminders from their parents. Parents receive them from their kids. Students receive them from their teachers. Employees receive them from their employer. And all of us are reminded of things by the IRS. Happens. Reminders, we're familiar with that. Well, Paul told Timothy that he was to constantly remind this group of people about these things. We'll get to that in just a moment. Hopefully help us fill in the blank. I've got stop signs within the message that are kind of intended for us to stop and think about what we've just discussed. Paul was a leader. Timothy was a leader. Every leader... And the church here at Grace needs to accept the fact that you have the responsibility to remind the sheep of Jesus and of the gospel and of the Word of God. Every leader has to embrace that responsibility. It can't just be one person. Think about it if it was just all up to me, well, that's not right, it's not biblically right. Every leader has the responsibility. So if you, if, you, if you break that down, you go, okay, every leader in the church has a responsibility to disseminate information to those that are under them. But even if you take it like to a youth group level, the leaders are responsible to disseminate information to the young people that God has given them, right? It works like that in every ministry. No matter what it is, there's a responsibility to remind the sheep of Jesus. We're going to see that that's the theme here. All right, so who's the audience? Paul's told Timothy what his responsibility is, but who's the audience? Well, there are three possibilities as it relates to the audience. Let me give you those for your consideration. There's three different groups that it could have been. First of all, it could have been the church of Ephesus because that's where Timothy was pastoring. So it could have been that group of believers. So he's saying to Timothy, Hey, look, remind the believers in Ephesus of these things. Could be that. It also could be that he was to remind the elders of Ephesus. Do you remember in Acts chapter 20 when Paul calls the Ephesian elders to Miletus? And he reminds them of some things. So it could be that in this context, Paul is wanting Timothy to remind the Ephesian elders about these things. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us who his audience is. But then the third one that kind of makes sense in the context and one that I'd like you to consider is that Paul is talking about these faithful men. Notice what it says in verse 2 of chapter 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Who is the you there? Timothy, the things which Timothy, you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to who? Faithful men. So it could be that Paul was telling Timothy, look, remind the faithful men of these things. Question, are you a faithful believer today? Are you willing to be reminded of things? I'm not quite sure how that's accepted in our church culture today. But we should be. In fact, the second stop sign is this. Everyone in the body of Christ should be receptive to reminders. Is it okay that we remind one another of what Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross of Calvary? Is that good to be reminded of? Yes. Is it good to be reminded of all the blessings that we have in knowing Christ? Yes. Is it good to be reminded of the responsibility we have to disseminate the gospel? Yes. Is it good to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again? Yes. Is it good to be reminded of the personal responsibilities that the Lord has laid out for us as the church? Yes. Do we like reminders? Do we like people telling us? Not sometimes. Which leads us to the third point in this. The content. So verse 14 says, Remind them of these things. So... Maybe we look at this and we go, okay, I think Paul was talking to Timothy about the church of Ephesus or the elders. Or maybe in context, the faithful men, it doesn't matter necessarily. It could have been all of them. All of them would have been appropriate. But what was he to remind them about? Right? You remember when Israel crossed the Jordan? River. you remember that in the Old Testament? I'm reminding you that it took place. They crossed the Jordan River. And do you remember what they were supposed to set up in the middle of the river? Stones. Why? Why? Why were they to do that? It was as a memorial, right, for what the Lord had done. And that memorial was there so they could be what? reminded of what the Lord had done for them. It's good to be reminded. Healthy. We might not like it. And it might be like somebody pinching us because the Lord does pinch us and remind us of things. And it's okay if he does that through people because that's how he does it. He does it through people. But here is the challenge that we run up into in our current culture. i just put out this for your thinking. Just throwing it out there, okay? I'm not sure how that message resonates with the current church culture. I'm not sure how popular reminding people of what God has said. I'm not sure how that's accepted today. I kind of have some ideas. I kind of think people are not really open to what God has already said. In fact, I think that there's a movement and has been for what I call new and fresh, which I can't really understand. I couldn't even explain it to you. I got no idea what that means, new and fresh. I think of new and fresh. I think of deodorant. I'm not quite sure exactly what that means in the current church culture. I think I have some ideas. Yeah, you can do worship. I mean, worship the way you do it like in terms of instruments and songs are preferences. You know what's important about that? The content, the doctrine. That's what's important. So whether it's the praise team leading, right? and there's the, the drums and the guitars and whatever. I, I really don't care. I like it. It's fine by me, right? But that's a preference. It's a preference. Then you have people who like the choir and who like the hymns. That's a preference. Isn't it great when you get to a church and it's just all about Christ and it doesn't matter whether the praise, whether the praise team is leading or the choir is? We have our preferences, don't we? Well, sure we do. But when it comes to the truth of the gospel of Christ, we don't say, well, how can I work this to where they'll come back next week? You know what we have in here? Old and sound. That's what we have. It was written long ago. And it's sound. It's God's word. All 66 letters here are for us. And how blessed we are to have it. The question becomes, how much do we thumb through it? There is a Baptist, Southern Baptist preacher who preached for 72 years. His name, Vance Havner. He preached for 72 years. You know when he started preaching? When he was 12. He was saved and he felt called to the ministry when he was 10 years old. I can't even imagine that, right? But he preached for 70 years. And you're like, well, what did he preach? The same old thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he preached. Look what he says. Vance Havner wrote, We are plainly told in the scriptures that in the last days men will not endure sound doctrine. The devil is not fighting religion. He's too smart for that. He is producing a counterfeit Christianity so much like the real one that good Christians are afraid to speak out against it. Well, in the context of this passage, what's Paul wanting Timothy to remind these believers of? If you want to summarize it, you can just summarize it in two words. Jesus Christ. He wants Timothy to remind the believers about Christ. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 tells us that. Look at what it says. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. <laughs> Let's just stop on that first phrase. Remember Jesus Christ. Is it okay that we do that? Answer, yes. Is it good that we do that? Answer, yes. Is it good maybe for an assignment that we write the name Jesus Christ at the top of a piece of paper this afternoon and list all the things that we enjoy and that we know about Christ? So he says, remember Jesus Christ, verse 8, risen from the dead. Is that an essential principle of Scripture? Yes. (laughs) It's central to the gospel. Because without the resurrection, we have no hope. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 this dissertation on the resurrection. Christ rose from the dead, and you know what? Because he rose from the dead, we have hope. So that when we die, and Christ comes, the dead in Christ, Paul says, will rise first. That's the hope that we have. So he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David. Is that important? Absolutely it's important. It's a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. He's a descendant of David. He's the Messiah. And he has the right to the throne, which one day he will assume. So what's Paul telling Timothy? Hey, remind these guys of Jesus Christ. And then, in verses 11 through 13, he says the same thing. In verses 11 through 13, look what it says. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So you look at what's going on here in this passage of Scripture in 11 through 13, and he's simply doing this. He's simply reminding Paul and the believers about salvation, sanctification, and the security of the believer in those three verses. That's what he's doing. Hey, if we died with him, we will also live with him. So if you know Christ, and you've died to the old, and you're a new creation in Christ, you will live with Christ forever. Then he says if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But guys, listen. If we are faithless in our lives as a believer, guess what? He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He's faithful. So in that section, he's reminding, Paul is reminding Timothy and these believers about the Lord Jesus Christ and all the promises that are in Christ. And so when Vance Havner writes this, he's saying, look, there's a problem. Because in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine. And how does it get more sound and more important than the doctrine of Christ? That's the basis for Christianity, the doctrine of Christ. You say, well, how bad is it going to get? Look in your Bibles, just a couple of chapters over, I want to show you something. Chapter 4, look what it says. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. You Yeah, but I've heard that message before. Yeah, but Paul, I mean, these guys have heard over and over again, preach the word. Yeah, but they want the latest and the greatest. Preach the word. Yeah, but we live in the 21st century and people's attention span is so small. Preach the word. He's not saying do anything else. Preach the word. Then he tells him be ready all the time, in season and out of season. That's what that means. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Notice verse 3. For the time will come. Look at this, guys. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ anymore. You say that that happens? I think it does. I absolutely, think it does. I've had too many conversations with too many men in leadership and churches. I've been in situations where I've sat with youth leaders, and I recall one specific situation where I was sitting with probably twenty-five to thirty youth leaders and and we're introducing ourselves, and I happened to be last. And part of that discussion was, hey, what are you doing with your youth ministry? I thought, boy, this is going to be interesting. You know, and so, when you, especially when you're around a bunch of guys in ministry, it's always interesting. You're like, well, can't wait for this. And we go around the table, and they're saying, oh, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm really trying to make everything relative to the kids, and we're teaching about drugs, and rock and roll, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Every one of them. And it gets to me, and I'm like, oh boy. They said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm at Springville Road, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. And I'll never forget a guy sitting across from me. He's like, you're getting away with that? Those were his exact words. I'll never forget them. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting away with that. You see what's happened? And guys, it's happened, it's already happened. And it's continuing to happen. We have to be relative or people aren't going to listen. I disagree with that completely. Completely. Like, if they're over here, I'm way over here. Because what I say is this. The word of God is always relative. Always important. Always worth listening to. I mean, you don't see some kind of scheme in here, do you? He says, preach the word. And I guess being in the ministry, you know, this, I guess it's this March will be 30 years that I've been in full-time ministry. And I look back and I was the same when I was 26 years old. It's all about the Lord and the gospel and the word for me. And hey, look, I've sat under some really, really good teachers at Southeastern, sat under great pastors and it's hard to hear the word of God. Are you listening to me? It's hard. You're sitting there today. You may be like, man, this is hard. It is hard. It's hard to hear it. Because you know what? who wants complete control of your life and mine? Christ. Does he deserve it? Answer? Yes. He does. Notice... But he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. In other words, I'm going to go find someone who's going to embrace an alternative lifestyle that will say, hey, look, marriage is not just between one man and one woman. I'm telling you, that's what's happening. It's happening and it's happening. Can't believe that church down the street, that grace church, man, They're just not tolerant of that. Do you understand where that starts? It starts with the Lord. He hates it. But there's a lot of things he hates. He hates divorce. So we just want to focus on a few things. He hates pride, the detestable sins mentioned in Proverbs. You know where it starts? Pride. You know what all of us struggle with? Pride. And as Paul says, he calls himself the chief of sinners, I am as well. It starts here. Notice what it says, verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn aside to myths. Well, how do we combat that? How do we deal with that? I want to share an illustration with you that I think might help you. To kind of picture, you know, how do we combat the, the temptation to, to move away from the scriptures? And you might be sitting there today going, I'll never do that. Well, okay, but like, let's just for the sake of illustration say that might happen. You know, it's happened to a lot of people that I know that I thought it would never happen to. Never. I'm talking about pastors that I sit under and I've watched their lives and I'm like, how did did they move away? They didn't stay connected to the Lord and His Word. That's how. So in this illustration, if the tower represents the Lord and His Word, here's the illustration. When I used to go to Arkansas on a regular basis, I loved um, to listen to a radio station in Arkansas, and the numbers are 1037. The Buzz sounds like a weird station, doesn't it? But it's the home of the Hogs. Whoo! Gets me excited thinking about it. And when I would drive on I-40, and I would get to Forest City, Arkansas, and I turned on, I, t- I turned on. Trace, I'll tell you, I'd turn on to 1037. The Buzz, and you could, it, it would be like. You know, you could barely hear it. But then when you got past Forest City, it was like, woo, man. Not only was I wanted to call the hogs, it was just beautiful. I could hear it. Why? Because I was closer to the tower. In fact, all the way to Little Rock, Arkansas from Forest City, it's just glorious. But then on the way back home, we would be on I 40 and we'd be going back to the house, coming to Birmingham. And I get to Forest City and it go. And I was like, oh man, there go the hogs. Because I don't want to listen to Alabama or Auburn. I want to listen to my hogs. I want to remain close to that tower so I can hear the strong message that comes from 1037 the Buzz. Guys, he's called a strong tower. We need to stay close of to the tower or we will flounder. The pride in us says that will never happen. The reality is the enemy is out there like a roaring lion. Last stop sign. Reminders from the word of God should be continually brought forth. So when your kid at home looks after you're having your devotions And they said, hey, Dad or Mom, we've heard that before. You just look at them in a big old smile and say, you're going to hear it again. You can't hear it enough. So I gave you some examples of what you can't hear enough. Here they are. This is a suggested list. You can carry this list out as far as you want it to go. There is one God in three persons. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There aren't many gods. There's only one. You say, well, how important is that? Critical. (laughs) Absolutely critical. In the beginning, who? In the beginning, God. The second statement there is there is one way to God, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the Lord. There's one way to Him. There aren't many ways. You think about the number of people in our culture today who are relying on this or that. There's only one way. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is foundational to the gospel. So these are just places to start. Things that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. This fourth one is great. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing else. Salvation is by grace. There are so many that want to make salvation about other things. By grace. Then you can see that Jesus Christ is the reason, not just for the season, as man says, but for every day. You know who knew that, Paul? To live as Christ. That was his theme. I love this one, the doctrine of the immutability of the Lord, that Jesus Christ cannot change. He cannot. Hebrews says in 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can stand on that. And then the last one I gave you is Jesus Christ is coming for his church. These are foundational issues that have to be reviewed. And the final reminder deals with what we want to close our service with. I was sitting in my office Friday. I was actually at Amanda's computer, and I was typing my notes, which I do. I do. Like, it's a process, and, and it takes so long. It's so arduous. And so, because I'm a perfectionist, which doesn't work out real well, because it's never perfect, and I know that. But I'm just sitting there, and and I'm going through this, and I'm like, man, Lord, thank you for all the reminders you've been giving me this week. And um, I know that Paul wanted Timothy to embrace that, but one of the greatest reminders we have is the reminder of our Lord Jesus and his death for us. Just like the Spirit was saying, Thad, you need to have communion Sunday, and so we're having it today. And when Ron, I didn't know know the songs he was doing, but all the songs were about Christ, I'm like, well, Lord, you're just putting all this together. Because I want you to walk away with this in mind. We need to be reminded of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. If If you don't take anything away from this, take that away. We can't get enough of being reminded about Christ. This morning we want to close our service with remembering the death of our Lord. I want to um, just take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just read these verses. Let me just say that like, if you're visiting with us here at Grace, you, know, you don't have to be a member of this local body to take the element. You need to be a member of the body of Christ. So, you know, um, I know every church is probably different in that. But for us, it's all about knowing the Lord. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you want to celebrate right along with us. right? That's what we do here. We remember what he's done for us. And we celebrate what he's done, what he accomplished for us. So, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says this in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. You know, under the old covenant, blood was shed all the time. (laughs) Right? And it had its purpose. But... Have you read Hebrews where it says to us in Hebrews that, that he shed his blood once for all? And so you think about the old versus the new. Wow. I mean, one sacrifice for all, and that's Christ. This cup is the new covenant my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So there's a testimony in this. What we do today is a testimony to the person sitting next to you. But as you know, as it goes on to say in verse 28, but let a man examine himself and then eat from the bread and drink from the cup. So can I give you just a minute or two and if you'll do that and we'll take the the supper together. So if you'll just spend a minute or two coming to the Lord and just confessing those things, we know he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. So let's bow in prayer. thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you don't forgive like man. Lord, I can't imagine what it must have been like for you to take the flogging where they were literally ripping your flesh apart. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have that Roman nail, I don't know what people are thinking about with nails but like a spike, railroad spike driven through your hands and your feet the crown of thorns to be placed in your skull and Lord the, the sword in your side and the mocking and the spitting and the abuse you were taking just verbally Lord all that belonged to me You didn't deserve it. I don't understand, really, in some ways, as a human, why you would do that for me. But I am so thankful that you have. There's going to be some people that die in their sins and have to pay the penalty. I just pray, Lord, that there's no one in this room where that's going to be the case. Because we all live eternally. It's just where we live that's different. I'm looking forward to being by your side, Lord. I just want to thank you for dying in my place. I want to thank you for taking all of that punishment for me. And as we take of this wafer today, help it to be a reminder to all of us of what the Lord Jesus did for us. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So you just take that wafer. We'll take it together and we'll remember the body of our Lord as we partake of the wafer together. Do we remember the body of our Lord? We remember His blood that was shed for us. And I'm going to ask one of our deacons, Kevin Landers, to to pray for us this morning.
4: Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for for Jesus, the changeless Christ that He is. We thank you for the blood that offers forgiveness and redemption. We thank you for the opportunity. Uh, to be here today, uh, to be reminded of that. Lord, we pray that as we uh, move forward today and with the lives that you have for us, that we uh, walk with integrity. Lord, that we maintain the integrity of your word. Lord, that we walk humbly, that we live in humility. Lord, that we recognize that you have us where you need us, equipped how you need us to be equipped to make the eternal impacts for you. And we just ask that you, as you continue to mold us as the men and women that we need to be, Lord, that we can recognize uh, where you are and not miss that. But we thank you for this cup and what it represents, and we pray that as we reflect on that, uh, Lord, that we are, we are very honest about who we are in your eyes and that we can stand tall and stand firm in your word. And with the confirmations of prayer, your word from our brothers and sisters and in the circumstances you have us in. We come to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. So we take the cup today to remember the Lord's blood that was shed for us. I was in my office the other day and I was finishing up the Lord had put on my mind to to have the Lord's Supper and remember what he did. Um, The whole thing being about Christ. um, There was a song that came to my mind that Andrew Peterson sings, and um, it's, Is He Worthy? And um, I just was sitting at Amanda's computer, just bawling, listening to that song, because not only because of what my Lord and Savior has done for me on the cross, but thinking about one day that he's coming back for me and that one day that we will rule and reign with him and he is the only one worthy. I mean, that just, I don't know, just broke me down. So I thought, well, why not share that with you guys? So um, I've got the song here. We'll listen to it. And then at the end of the song, you'll be dismissed. I won't come back up here. You'll just be dismissed. Okay.
5: broken do Do you feel the shadows deepen Good. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And is Jesus our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell in